hey, hey. <laughs> Welcome to your weekly corner spady. I don't know what happened there. It's been a, it's been a long week. You it's, added an extra a- hey and I feel assaulted. <laughs> um it's your boy Karen and I'm joined by Nick. Hey. And I'm joined by Rob. Hey, hey, hey. Hey. Yes, he robbed it the proper amount of haze. Hey. Oh, I see. You're fired, Kieran. Uh, we're replacing oh, you. We're replacing you with the clone of Rob. <laughs> yeah, we have a huge announcement. Kieran's been replaced with by Virgil Texas. <laughs> 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 oh yeah. Um. Yeah. So this is this is gonna be might be a bit of a rough discussion, but sure. God, fuck two it, weeks I'm in a row now. I was literally just thinking of just like writing you and just being like, no, like. Can we do something <laughs> different? Yeah, fuck this. I was talking about like Skrillex and like the different types of boners you thought existed when you were 13. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this is, this is, this is an episode I did some research for and I've entitled Frontex Shite or Why I'd Kill Myself If I Worked in Brussels. Um, because why oh you God. should kill yourself if you work for Frontex is also the third working title. That's a contradiction because like you'd be too like anyone with that level of honor would not work in Brussels in the first place. No, that's I mean, <laughs> I think I think it's interesting. You should bring up the whole like killing killing themselves if they work in in Frontex because we might get to that actually. Um, that does kind of come up weirdly enough. Oh, look at that! I didn't even read the notes, and I'm already foreshadowing. <laughs> I'm just a good storyteller. Yeah, and I understand the arc of history. And <laughs> <laughs> which way it bends. Mm. Uh, um, all right. So I guess, yeah, we're, we're going to talk about Frontex. Nick, you, you saw some stuff happening in Spain. Oh, yeah. So the thing that then, yeah. yeah, I think the thing that then really kind of puts us in a good position this week to talk about it is that there has been a... Um, influx of migrants coming from Morocco into Spain, into Cueta, I believe it's called. Is it Sueta? Sueta, yeah. I don't know. I don't speak Spanish, and I sure as hell don't speak Spanish Spanish. So, uh, which, for those who don't know, it's that, like, really weird peninsula that then is on Morocco that is, like, Spain's version of Gibraltar. And so... um, it's a really weird turn of events. So Spain <laughs> took in uh, uh, this guy who is kind of like, he's a militant leader. His name is Brahim Ghali, who is like, like kind of seen by Spain as a war criminal. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> and um, in terms of then him ending up in Spain, has been like a lot of protest from Moroccans, uh, particularly the border guards, and they've opened more or less just kind of opened up the borders so that then the Moroccan border patrol won't enforce um, the borders. So then Spain yeah, yeah, is just yeah. kind of having all these people pour into it, and there's been a lot of disturbing footage of um, uh, uh, um, you know people mostly minors getting you know assaulted by the you know spanish civil guard and um Mm -hmm. you know the spanish government sent in like hundreds of of you know reinforcements of like the military military police you know the coast guard and stuff like that to kind of deal with the situation of it you know they were firing um like 
tear gas at children and stuff like that. And then simultaneously like doing these like photo ops for international media of like, look, see, we're helping these kids out of the water. One person drowned the other day. Um, I don't know if that number has gone up. I would not be surprised. There was also videos of them, Spanish border guards and the um, Coast Guard getting in fights with um, not fights because the, the, the dudes, the um, refugees weren't really fighting back, but they were throwing them into the water and, you know, these very disturbing altercations kind of happened. And I think that that was kind of like seeing that footage happen this week and kind of seeing this very mm. weird thing of the sense of that them because Spain is taking in a dude who they're declaring as a war criminal. Um, they're bringing him in for like COVID treatment and then also simultaneously having a reaction. Then the sense of because he's like like this this weird border dispute too simultaneously with Morocco <laughs> and this guy's military military like organization and whatnot. That it ended up with then this footage of them that we saw, um, you know, the other day. And I think that we saw a lot of mm. these things, you know, shared and whatnot. And I think the thing that then's often overlooked within Europe is in this discussion of that then that Europe has its own bizarre Coast Guard that is um, kind of this weird quasi. It's, uh, it's weird because it isn't. It's like somehow legal and somehow not legal at the same time. Like, yeah, yeah, they play in this space. Yeah, it's very concerning, and it's very so, much in this sense of that. Then the whole European ideal then of like policies towards you know asylum seekers and refugees um, hasn't seemed to have been a thing that I mean whether it was a thing to begin with is a question but like really worsened and doubled down with it uh in the sense of the quote-unquote refugee crisis because of the Syrian civil war where it kind of mm. became much more apparent that Europe has a massive crisis on its hands not the refugee crisis but a <laughs> policing crisis you could call it oh, I don't yeah. know definitely definitely yeah so that kind of leads us to like well most of that footage being shared around was uh Legada Sofia um which is i don't know i guess like what you would kind of consider like like the national guard or whatever yeah yeah yeah, exactly because the the policing in spain is like a responsibility of like the local region yeah yeah yeah. sanchez did Uh, send people though to um north africa though yeah yeah of course um so that's like what was happening there but it does bring in conversations with frontex frontex has this like weird um Frontex has like an image situation going on. I think the video we watched just before we recorded of just like they kind of want you to like them. Um, they're like they're definitely doing- like the stereotypical like anyone who thinks that they're doing something for like European values should automatically be liked, even if that European value is being a fascist piece of shit on the border. Like they don't seem yeah. to get the memo that it's like, oh, are we the baddies? Yeah. Uh, because they stand for this like fake liberal ideal of Europe, you know, it doesn't matter what you yes. do as long as you're European, baby. Well, yeah, it's just like the weird contradiction of just like, hey, let's uh, uh, um, let's defend this incredible like liberal institutiony type thing. There's this uh, the golden city on the hill, you know just with violence yeah uh, yeah i yeah. feel like they're like four doing like 40 percent of the like liberal uh, zionist playbook like they're not fully there like no this is all to like protect something very important 
Um, but I don't know, a little haphazard, I have to say that like their, their heart's not really in it. So there could be some improvements oh, yeah. on the social media team from Frontex. <laughs> well, <laughs> Well, like, like, like every Rob is now leaving like, the podcast to become the social media manager for front, uh, for front yeah, yeah, yeah. social media czar for Frontex. I mean, um, the playbook's written for them already, so it's like yeah, you just gotta, yeah. you just gotta copy off your neighbor's test. I know it's definitely like a material issue because, like, like everything that's run, like every version of something that exists in a nation state, but that is run through Brussels, like, or run from Brussels or whatever, like, as the EU top level institution, it just has like less money, less drive, less power to be had. It's it's just like no, no one's in it. No one's like no one's heart is in it, I guess, yeah. But I want to talk about Frontex as an institution because it has been like uh, it has some problems. And I think the question we're going to answer at the end of this is like what what role does Frontex serve uh structurally? But before I can do that, I have to introduce I have to introduce a little bit of a character. Um, okay, so I thought he was Italian. I was, gonna, so I was, I was just about to ask. He's Italian, isn't he? He's not. Oh, so god damn uh, it! So I was, I was very certain that his name was Fabrice Legheri, but I've been informed he's French. Oh, boo. so Fabrice? <laughs> like I don't know <laughs> what like, I my, my man Fabrice over here. <laughs> yeah, my my fucking best of the fucking. Uh, the the executive director of Frontex, Fabrice Legere. Yeah, let's go. Fabrice Legere. Fabrice Legere. Um, so yeah, Legere is this French civil servant. He's been like, he did two years as interior minister of France. Before that, he was just like, um, at one point he was the ambassador to South Korea. Uh, things like that just constantly like a bureaucrat within the french and eu system no how do you get these jobs that aren't jobs <laughs> oh man i was thinking about this earlier there are so many like evil jobs out there that you can get like how many like nerd social climbers who will just sell their soul if they had one at all to do, like get a, like a somewhere in the eu system somewhere in the eu bureaucracy like a solid role where it's like hey i, I may not be the most evil person but I, I i can do a lot here i gotta say i got so, i got some room to work you know we could spread the evil around there's there's enough yeah, yeah, evil yeah. for everybody guys what you want is one of those like cushy evil jobs where mm. you're like the ambassador to another country that's also doing evil with you, so you don't really have to do anything. All right, you're the I Belgian have, ambassador I'm, to the Netherlands. Yeah, I'm the I'm the Cornish Beatty ambassador to the UAE. <laughs> <laughs> I am covered in Dior belts, <laughs> pristine white Dior belts. They just gift it to me at every ceremony. Oh God, I I I am who Jeremy Fragrance wishes that he was. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy Fragrance does strike me as the like son of an ambassador type. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and his yeah the ambassador to uh, <laughs> either Saudi Arabia or the UAE. Yeah. His dreams. He was he was baptized in Dior Sauvage. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like his Saudi dreams were Arabia encouraged the- as a as a child. Uh, you yeah. can tell. Foster Saudi Arabia would be the like perfect country for him because it's just like you know no women around except for aesthetic purposes <laughs> everyone's gay but no one talks about it yeah there's yeah. an app where you can get a woman to come to you for your video and spray uh perfume on her it's much more efficient <laughs> yeah yeah exactly 
Oh my god. But yeah, uh, but he's been the since 2015. He's been executive director of Frontex. He's Frontex's manager, effectively. Um, theoretically, Frontex answers to the EU and the EU Commission president for like interior stuff, which we'll get to why that's like not working. Um, his resignation has been called for several times by the left group in the EU, which is not surprising. Uh, he's been accused of having unregistered meetings with unregistered lobbyists that represent the weapons, surveillance, and biometrics industry. Mm. From 2017 to 2019, Frontex and him met with 138 private groups, 108 companies, 10 research centers or think tanks, 15 universities, and one non-governmental organization. A human rights organization was notably absent uh, from any of these meetings. Um, so yeah, he's currently in a scandal at the moment for that, mainly because he lied about it. He was asked about this earlier if he was doing it, and he was like, I was going to do an Italian accent, but no. <laughs> he said no. Just do it. It's just, you know what? He's he's Italian in, in our hearts. <laughs> no. I am Febreze Legere. Um I like the name yes. Febreze Legere. I love the name Febreze Legere. But so, the word that yeah, sticks he, out to me is the unregistered mm-hmm. because he can mm-hmm. like, so he can, he's doing whatever he wants, whatever he wants. It sounds like. Yeah, basically because there is uh, anyone who's looked at Brussels for more than five seconds knows that it's like a hobby, like a lobbyist, like, uh, um, the like, hobby lobbyist. Mm, Disneyland <laughs> for <laughs> lobbyist. Yeah. Oh no, I mean, of course. Have you seen Mini Europe? That is like a hobbyist paradise. It's like a train set version of Europe. Um, but yeah, it, like it's very easy to be a lobbyist in the EU. But in the name of transparency, they do have like a registry of like permitted lobbyists. And that way you can kind of like keep track of so-and-so, but with this lobby, blah, blah, blah. Um, which is, I guess, just a formalized version of corruption, but still... Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, but our boy Febreze is doing just like informal corruption, you know, punk DIY. Um, yeah, I run, I run a, a psychopathic agency for border security, and I, I met with like I I psychopathic records, who's like the ICP <laughs> record label. Febreze is a great name now that I think about it, because like <laughs> as we were referring to earlier, with whatever you want to call it, the the euro washing right like oh this serves some like progressive purpose like they treat Mm -hmm. our man febreze like i used febreze when i was living alone and my room just stank and it was like i'll just spread some febreze i'll fix it yeah (laughs) don't have to change anything a little febreze i know just what the what what this situation needs febreze dog (laughs) oh god my favorite Febreze ad, uh, just get completely <laughs> off track because it's a depressing topic and I've been having dark thoughts about like naming the Israeli occupation. So keep my spirits up. Uh, um, my favorite Febreze ad was like a very clearly dubbed either like originally Danish or German ad or something. And a woman walks into a room and goes to her like, I don't know, teenage son and goes, have you smelt this couch? And I was like, who does that? What insane <laughs> question is that? <laughs> just like, like I'm doing a line of coke off the arm of your couch, just like, Damn. oh yeah, it smells great. <laughs> uh, All right. Uh, Keep so that's on our rolling. Boy that's our boy Febreze, who I need to introduce for context reasons. He will appear at several points uh, during this. 
the the story that caught my attention when I started gathering these notes a while back was the EU Observer article that was like Frontex guards could be uh, Frontex guards could be armed by the summer, and I was like, cool. Oh fuck, I forgot that- about that one. This is just like twenty twenty one's already been quite a year that I forgot that then that there's a bunch of um I forget who spearheaded it. Uh, it's part of the Corona rollout, so like restaurants. <laughs> Uh, open like by early summer, gym summer, and armed Frontex guards <laughs> late summer. <laughs> Everything's no, according to plan. Was, there was one country, I can't remember, it was one of the, the stereotypical ones, like Austria or Hungary or something like that, mm. that then pushed for like this to be a thing. And um, yeah, um, horrible. I, I, yeah. So let me just let's walk through what's happening here. Since 2018, Frontex has managed to kind of remodel itself, not as border protection agency, but as law enforcement, specifically law enforcement. It did this like two ways primarily. There was a pilot program in 2017 where um, they handed intelligence that they had gathered over to Europol. So, you know, they just, they, you know, put cloud chased with Europol and like rode their coattails to being like legitimate law enforcement agency. Um, Wait, can you explain that? The, so like they're showing we're helping or what do you mean yeah. by that? Yeah. Okay. Basically. Yeah. Showing that they, they can assist an established law enforcement. Like everyone kind of agrees Europol is law enforcement. Uh, so therefore if they're helping Europol, they are also law enforcement. Gotcha. Um, Look, Dad, yeah, I made yeah. you a, a macaroni painting that says "World's <laughs> Greatest Dad." <laughs> um, I like the concept of you just doing that, and then like, yes, yes, now I am a dad too. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how it works. Yeah. Uh, I'm a father to this macaroni doodle. Um, so that's now kind of like the norm, and they basically have the permission to like do a lot of sweeping up of personal information and they work with a lot of like national police forces. Uh, they tout that they have stopped something like 20,000 crimes since 2018. But like, yeah, I wonder, I, yeah, we, I would love to know how they came up with that number. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get into, we'll get into how Frontex does like information control, like PR in a bit. Um, but there, the Gary, Leger Febreze or Boy Febreze does have like this 2018 quote, which uh, is important because we'll see how his tact and his opinion changes later. He's quoted as saying in 2018, you could consider us a EU law enforcement agency. You could. I'm not saying you should. You know, but you could. Could's doing a lot of heavy lifting on that. I love like all of these are just... uh different examples of like showing up to the whatever a scene of a crime and with like a suit and tie and putting your hands on your hips and being like so what are we going to do about this <laughs> just, yeah, just eventually like they're just gonna walk- stop asking confidently walking up to a group of police in like a trench coat and be like what do you got boys <laughs> pulling out a cigarette i was like oh, i guess yeah i guess yeah that's the inspector i guess um so fast forward two years later to the year of our lord 2020 um The Frontex wants to arm their agents. They want them to have guns. Um, but there is no EU competency for this to happen. 
So Febreze has to convince national governments to allow Frontex agents to be armed. The EU can't make a ruling saying they can all be armed. Um, at this point, his kind of like his line has changed. Now that we've had like two years of helping police with information gathering, he's like, quote, we are a fully fledged EU agency. No doubt about that. But we are also more a fully fledged European law enforcement. So there's no code anymore. He's just like saying that we are now EU law enforcement agency. This is an address to MEPs. Um, naturally enough, the big target government that he's trying to lobby is Greece, uh, because that's where the vast majority of Frontex agents are. Yeah. Yeah. They love um, working with neo-Nazis there too, which is a really fun, cool thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's why that EU uh, observer title was very optimistic that it could happen, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, that was the thing that the, when there was those recent uh, border squabbles, as in the sense that Turkey was sending refugees over and then complaining, mm-hmm. and then Greece was sending refugees back to Turkey, and then Turkey was complaining. And um, there were then reports of Greek neo-Nazis coming and helping the Greek police and Frontex just like as sport of like, it's my time to shine. It's my turn to, you know, push back refugees. And uh, none of them faced any, uh, uh, you know, consequences or whatever. So talk about, talk about hobbyists. There you go. Literally. (laughs) Yeah. So that's, uh, that was something that then that is still deeply ingrained in my brain of just like these like videos popping up of like, you know, yeah, non people who are definitely not law enforcement, helping law enforcement push people back over the border. Mm. Yeah, because this is exactly the uh, uh, um, justification for arming the Frontex guards. It's not... Um, Febreze, whenever he's like lobbying both MEPs or MPs or whatever to like pass this law, he's not bringing up like guns are needed for refugees because... Well, we're not at the point where you can just say that yet. I guess yeah, it's not. He's not. It's not. It's not like a you know Falk of Hatred saying that in like a 2016 or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is we're we're still doing the as Rob put it, the Euro washing. We would we have guns. We would never use them. Um, don't be ridiculous. No, this is actually in response to <laughs> Europe has never invaded. No, no European nation no. has ever invaded another, another European country mm-hmm. ever. Yeah, that's what no, Tom, Thomas happened. Friedman said. they all have mcdonald's i don't see the problem um no country that has a supermax has ever invaded another country with a supermax um so but yeah the example he gives is this situation that happened early this no sorry late 2020 where turkish uh border guards turkish coast guard fired their guns into the air near the river evros uh which is the river that splits uh, Balkan Turkey away from Greece, uh, Thrace from Greece. Um, I guess they did this to scare off Frontex, like they're deer or something. <laughs> I, don't I don't know what the purpose of this is. Um, but yeah, this is this I love is, there's like just, a racist angle of this of like, oh yeah, like, you know, we have to scare the Turk in order to like it's not to like murder refugees, this thing that then that they really want to do. It's to scare off these like quasi white, quasi not white, possibly European, possibly not Europeans. <laughs> well I, well I love the I love the other aspect of this just as well. It's like, look, tensions are rising with Greece and their neighbor Turkey over like 
the weird bureaucratic like border mess that we've gotten into. What we feel like will help these tensions is guns. Who here is a fan of NATO? Because that's probably going to be gone soon. Because <laughs> um, we're going to fuck this up royally. Um, yeah, so like th- there's 800 Frontex agents in in Greece, I believe, which is the largest of any of the, the countries they're present in. Also found out they're present in Albania and Montenegro, which I understand also means they have like absolutely no diplomatic oversight there because those countries don't vote for MEPs. So even the like sham diplomatic oversight you supposedly have over it is like not present for Albanians and Montenegrins. Uh, so that's fun. Yeah. Uh, oh, back to Nick saying the thing earlier about like Frontex agents killing themselves. So there is only one place. There's only one place where Febreze has managed to successfully lobby for his agents to be armed. It is in Poland. (laughs) (laughs) Of course it is. Good start. (laughs) It is in Poland, which is where Frontex is headquartered because Frontex is (laughs) It's it's located inside a CIA black site. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, People go in, they never come out. It's fine. Um... But it's 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 it was one of those agencies we gave to the new Eastern European countries because it's a new agency and they have to we have to make them feel important. So we gave the Poles border control. Oh no! But okay, caveat: there are, the agents of Frontex are allowed carry arms in Poland, but exclusively in the offices of Frontex and only <laughs> the offices of Frontex. As soon as they leave the building, they're not allowed to have a gun. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking so it's to literally office. just cosplaying with live ammunition. Yeah. They're going to have like some sort of incident in the office. <laughs> we're going to do the thing with Brett from fucking Archer where they just keep shooting <laughs> this one guy in, in the office. Oh God. That's so fucking like, that's the most European answer to like firearm ownership. Is that like you can have a gun, but it has to be in your house? Like how like the yeah. Swiss have that? Like you have to own a firearm, but you can like it can never leave your house. Like after your military service, you have to keep your gun. But if that gun leaves the gun safe, you are literally fined by the government. <laughs> Unless you then write out the proper paperwork in order to take it yeah. out. But we're talking. I don't know. I, I imagine there's like a a good number of employees at the, at the headquarters for Frontex. So is there just like an armory in the basement of the building? I mean, if like, does everyone get Rob's like, how how could you like describe this building to me? Like, you know, how many exits? If anyone has any floor plans. (laughs) I mean, that is a good question. How many people, how many like, yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm just going to check the Wikipedia and see if we can find any, uh, uh, history, like, uh, info about this because I am curious if they list how many people they employ in um, their offices in Poland because I know how many border guards they have but those guys are like out in various countries mm. but maybe they have like a gun waiting for them back at the office yeah like you get a little locker yep you can like a cubby you can stylize even. it you can, yeah you can you can get those little like you know those little chains that like uh, japanese people put on their phones with like little, yeah little yeah talismans on it to like show their personality and stuff yeah they just get one of those yeah um the front X building by the way it looks like absolute dog shit hmm. um it's very strange it's it's located in warsaw it's called the warsaw spire <laughs> 
They told um, the architect, how do you say there are no guns here <laughs> with, uh, with steel? <laughs> we need you to encase this building in Kevlar so none of the bullets can escape. <laughs> Ideally, inside. the bullets would just bounce around endlessly like a waiting screen on a, on an old DVD player. <laughs> yeah, right. Can you do that? Um, yeah, you definitely could. So the right technology. S- 700 people work in the offices in Poland. And they, each one of them has a gun in their cubby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just get, you get it with like your, uh, from the secretary uh, when you walk in, you get the, like the, the, the name badge and then, yeah, the little key card to, to, uh, to use the vending machine. Yeah. But <sighs> yeah. so you were saying at the beginning of this episode, I think like, you know, we're kind of all over the place right now, but let's, you know, you know, strap back into, you know, doing a serious yeah. episode. Um, <laughs> There has been, you know, like uh, this claim, which is a very hard one. Because, I mean, like I mentioned in the sense that Frontex very much, I would say, like a lot of these EU institutions, functions entirely on idealism with a very weird legal backdrop. And I know that then people will probably Mm -hmm. then respond be like, oh, no, it's like the European Union's like, you know, refugee policy is very strict about like, not strict, but it's like very like laid out that then like you can claim asylum, this and that and that, blah, blah, blah. And no, like there is exemptions for literally everything. There's in the sense too of that then the perfect example I can think of that like Germany declaring um, uh, Afghanistan as a safe country of refuge, which is in the middle of a continuous war. And that... The ultimate reality is that then while there are these EU values, as we've seen within anything when then it is done in a European value comes down to one, this like idealism that then ideologues are the ones who then kind of control the narrative. And it's just very much always a sense of this feel goody sort of you like Europe liberal bullshit thing that's typically backed up with the realities of what preserves liberalism, violence, mm. capitalism, all this other imperialism whatever and then the second thing of that then that there is still a lot of sovereignty within individual nations themselves and their own border policies Mm -hmm. which frontex as you mentioned kind of tries to um you know close this gap as being this like transnational um Mm -hmm. law enforcement agency that isn't a law enforcement agency that then's like you know there to I don't even like like their marketing campaign is like to help like you know uh yeah uh, refugees or whatever and that it's also about like like th- their idea of securitization is very much a humanitarian one and the reality of it is is that then it is pretty fucking brutal there is like you know this stuff of uh who I mean I mentioned the sense of them working with with Greek neo Nazis but like working with then local police departments and local law enforcements in Hungary have been an example uh, you mentioned that Albania and um, Montenegro and uh, where Montenegro and Montenegro yeah where they have like weird jurisdiction because they're kind mm. of like not really legally bound to anything. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like Serbia and whatnot has a very weird relation within the local authorities and um, and Frontex as well. And it really is like, yeah, I mean, like I, 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 I always I always find it this thing that's like 
never really addressed properly because you can't. Like, in no, the structure yeah. of how it exists is more like a feeling than it is in the sense of, of anything else. It's very clear with the sense of how they enforce the borders that it is, like, complete chaos because mm. Europe's legal things are not, like... There is a break of sovereignty, I think, that then's there. Where like, and I, like Germany can enforce can can simultaneously enforce its borders, have its own border policy, this and that and that. Hungary can do the exact same thing. They can get a slap on the hand from Europe, but then at the same same time, simultaneously getting help by European institutions to then maintain their sovereignty of their borders, which is like insanely weird and yet only can function within people who are like these ideologues of like, if we just have more Europe, it'll be better. And I think that when it comes to border policy, the people who are really for it, Sebastian Kurz is one of the biggest examples of one of the largest mm-hmm. like dudes who continuously is like rattling, you know, like, like banging the wardrobe of that Frontex needs more and more and more money because they may be EU critical to a degree, but they also want EU, Europe to help preserve their national sovereignty through a border police, which is like yeah. odd. Yeah, and yet like not there's, odd there's, at the same time. There's a right wing within Europe, and I think Sebastian Kurz kind of exemplifies that, where they have that kind of like almost American libertarian ideology of yeah. like the night, the night watchman, uh, the night watchman state of just like the the eu should basically only uh protect from outside but not do anything inside basically yeah um because that's the power he wants he wants the power over what happens in austria and he just wants to um send this problem to another uh body another agency to handle it basically there's so it's interesting you bring this up because in a kind of like public facing way, like Frontex has been like annoyingly active on Twitter. Um, they kind of want to, are trying to appeal to kind of like what Rob called the like almost liberal Zionist, but like the kind of EU flag Twitter kind of people of like, it's happening. The, the, the European like cohesive union thing is happening and we're going to defend it. We are a transnational institution but actually how Frontex works is more insanely bureaucratic than that and doesn't really operate that way to the point of like, in, in, a, in a certain way, if you were to look at it as like an EU flag emoji person, you would think it's not functioning. I would make the argument that it is functioning, but for a different purpose that they think it is. And I, I'm going to kind of outline that. The thing I will so, say too is that then like, yeah. it's the one agency that the EU flag emoji people don't like. A little, yeah, a little bit. I think they can kind of see that it's a little bit evil. <laughs> yeah, it's like the one that then they'll be like, damn, I love Europe, but Frontex is a little fucked up. Like, they somehow have not been able to trick the the EU flag emoji people yet. Yeah, some of them. I feel like there's some difference. I think there's, like, some EU flag emoji people who are like that, but I feel like... So, people who have flag of their country... EU flag and then Israel flag people. Oh yeah, they're, they're, they're yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> if you have no, all just, three of yeah. those, or uh, like uh, an American flag instead of an Israeli one, yeah, it comes down to what kind of fight or what is the level of disagreement because it's possible, especially and 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 I think something about Europe or like the European identity or EU identity fosters this, where it's like 
a family feud where, oh, well, but when the chips are down, you know, we're going to work together. We're going to team up like the superheroes to, uh, to fight. You know, we may disagree, but, you know, we're on the same side at some point, mm. which is um, th- it's almost like a a predetermined antagonism that it's like, oh, you know, I don't like the way they do things. But then, I mean, I'm sure that that's the pitch a lot of front text people would be uh, would make like, oh, well, oh, well yeah. you need us because this is what this is part of Europe, too. Yeah, it, it's it's zero dark thirty. It's like oh, you you disagree with torture, but it gets the job done. Kind yeah. of thing. The thing that it, then I think is the yeah. oddest thing about all this too, because it really I think that then Rob's uh, idea then of like the the liberal Zionist thing is the most perfect encapsulation of this. Is that in order the thing that's always the really weird thing is that also too with like the night watchman state thing is that in order for Frontex to actually work there needs to be a stronger legal body of Europe, which there isn't. And I guess that then in the sense, like one part, it's like good that it doesn't exist in that way. Another part is very bad because then Frontex gets very creative and kind of goes their own way and, you know, will work with who they, they, they will in order to be shitty. But the thing that's the oddest is that then the people who then would want Frontex the most to work on that transnational European level don't want that type of sovereignty to then exist on enforcement, which means that Frontex will just infinitely be in limbo and probably just function the way that it does forever and maybe get guns, you know, (laughs) like I don't see the, like the people who lead the conversation about giving Frontex more money are the right wing who then are obsessed Mm -hmm. with national sovereignty and there, there won't be an agreement of like a, a, a legal body with an actual strict legal structure that then can be enforced that will then be governing the borders of Europe. What they want, though, are like mercenaries that they don't have to pay for, you know, like that'll yeah, or mercenaries that they're already paying for through general taxation. Yeah, basically. yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, but they don't have to pay for then like themselves through their own like, you know, domestic budgets. Yeah, yeah. the the EU uh, the EU contribution money was already coming out. Yeah, let's just use it towards this evil stuff instead of I don't know cap reform or something, um, or like some pussy shit like making sure everyone has the same type of light bulb. Um, like, fuck like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, we can give this guy a gun. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of go through the recent history of Frontex here and kind of illustrate how toothless all the kind of oversight over it has been. Um, Since 2015, the EU, both Parliament and Commission, have been demanding that uh, our boy Febreze hire a fundamental rights officer. This is someone who would work at Frontex who would be in charge of making sure rights are upheld. Um, For the last six years he's basically just being saying nanny nanny boo boo to that and not doing it and then people in the parliament get mad and then nothing happens um <laughs> what as of three you weeks mean ago, europe, europe doesn't work no um 
three weeks ago, he did hire someone eventually, uh, a, a Swedish bureaucrat by the name of Joha, Jonas Grimhaden, uh, who, Sounds who's evil. Been, yeah, uh, who's been with the Fundamental Human Rights Committee for the EU for the last 12 years. Uh, he has 551 Twitter followers. Um, so Damn expect king. big things from him. Well, like, that's perfect, right? Because you can just get someone and say, like, yeah, see, we did it. And then, you know, yep. what are they? They're just window dressing. Yeah, pretty much. So now that's uh, that's a cushy evil job. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Rob's on his his dream. Don't job. have to I do anything. I like George Costanza at work dr- drumming on my desk with my pencils <laughs> in Poland. I will be. I will be the next yo. <laughs> yeah, just, five AR-15s behind me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's my guns. Um, drumming on the desk with my guns. <laughs> I'm playing the. I'm playing YYZ by Rush. On my yeah. with my with with multiple AR-15s. Oh god! But so here's an example of the structure of Frontex and how things uh, fall apart, especially when you want to do an incident report of like you did some human rights abuses. Here's how this goes: the EU Parliament complains to Le- to our boy Fabrice. Uh, he says serious. He says it's serious and will investigate. Step two. But since Frontex is under the command of the nation it is that it is in at that point, he then has to write to the Greek government, or whoever government, Greek government, <laughs> to carry out an investigation. Some months pass, the whatever government, Greek government, gets back to him and says, no wrongdoing has occurred. Ligari dusts off his hands theatrically and nothing happens. <laughs> Um, Damn, you mean to tell uh, me that Kiriakos Mitsotakis doesn't want to look into abusing migrants on the border? What? A party that then became more racist so that they could get... uh, Golden Dawn votes? Yes, they get Golden Dawn votes are racist and problematic and just won't, you know, actually... Yeah, wow. This is... is, But this is the inherent problem with it anyway. It doesn't, like... I don't think it even matters who would be in government because Frontex... No, no, I know. I'm just just imagining it being slightly worse because Greece is one of the very few countries that has a government that has no coalition. Mm, That's a good point, yeah. But the the thing that is... The the issue here is that Frontex... uh, Frontex pretends, mainly on Twitter, that it is this own organization. But in reality, it is under the command of the nation-state. Uh, that it operates in. If it's in Italy, it's under the command of the Italian Coast Guard. It's under the command of the Spanish Coast Guard, Cypriot Coast Guard, whatever. So you can't really get this fucking nobody French guy based in Poland to write a letter to a state government being like, hey, I think you did some wrong because the general who made those commands is going to be like, no, get fucked. Always, like 100%. Like it wouldn't even matter. You could have like Cyprus and government in Greece. They still have the same weird like the civil war was bad in Greece guy running their coast guard, probably <laughs> who's going to be like, get fucked you French bastard. So like, like none of that's ever really going to work Fabrice Legere, Legere is like aware of this issue. He's like brought it up in parliament of being like, I can't say like he, he doesn't have, he doesn't actually have a problem with it, but he'll say it in, in like to the parliament, the EU parliament. Like I can't say no to a, member state of the eu just can't like, say I, no I, to the greeks 
Can't say the They're Greeks. too powerful. <laughs> <laughs> Their raise is over 9,000. <laughs> I, I try to say no, and then they just like unbutton one of their, their, their shirt buttons, and I see more chest hair, and I'm just yeah. like, oh. <laughs> yeah. And that kind of leads us to like the main controversy, which is the pushback reports. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, pushbacks are operations in which uh, various Coast Guards will uh, do things to pu- do various tactics to push a refugee boat back to where they came from. Uh, this can range from relatively like innocent compared to what they can do, um, driving really fast nearby them to create waves to push them back into like Turkish waters or Libyan waters. Uh, or it can get really sinister and be like, start shooting at them, start firing warning shots, quote unquote warning shots, um, tow them out of the water and then claim it didn't happen. Things like this. These reports have been uh, thoroughly reported about, like they, they've been thoroughly exposed, like uh, Bellingcat, Ard, Der Spiegel, um, the fucking TV SI. Asahi, sorry, which is a Japanese public news channel. They've even clued to this fucking thing happening. So, yeah, it, it's kind of uncontroversial that this stuff does happen. There was supposedly a controversy where I found out that Frontex was involved. It wasn't just the Greek uh, Coast Guard. It was also Frontex. But like I said earlier, the big lie here is Frontex is under the command of the Greek Coast Guard. So, of course... They're doing it. They're one in the same. They're just wearing different uniforms. I just thought of one EU flag emoji person who actually does love Frontex. <laughs> Go on. I don't know if is she that guy has it. Us? I don't know if she has it in her thing, but she falls into the category. Is Rika Franca? Oh yeah, has yeah, continuously yeah, made the case for uh, Frontex using drones, which is something that they've mm. been employing. I don't know if it's been them or the Coast Guards, but they've been employed. Um, uh, in like strapping UAVs with like, um, yeah, to try to like seek out refugees who are trying to like you know quote unquote illegally cross into Europe, yeah. and yeah, that's uh that's fucking scary and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, genuinely horrible. And she always tries to use the sense of, like the humanitarian aspect of it, but in reality, oh, yeah. it would just be to seek out people to like make sure they don't get close. Or, yeah, like, gosh, she's so garbage. I hate her. I think there's very she's few prob- people I hate on Twitter, and she's, like, one of them. She's probably going to get more into it now because a recent update when I was checking, like, the news wires about this kind of stuff is because Turkey has been excluded from the F-35 purchasing program, the, I think it's, like, Erdogan's son or something is really into the idea of Turkey buying a fuck ton of drones, to like monitor the AGNC. Well, yeah, no, because um, drones won't fucking decapitate you like the F thirty five will. So everyone's <laughs> smart. Everyone's son's fucking smart. Yeah, 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 he's into this. Um, but she loves her drones as well, so I'd imagine she might make a comment soon. Anyway, she already endorsed uh, Turkey's usage of drones. Why? Like, what difference does it fucking make? She like wrote a thing about how like. I love seeing the murdered Armenians along the border. All praise to Azerbaijan. Thank you for buying mm. European drones. But at this point, I want to talk about how uh, the EU handled the pushback reports. Like I said, this was all kind of like public news, investigative reports. 
the Guardian also had like a big one. Uh, Rai Uno, the like national broadcaster of Italy, also had a big one. Um, so yeah. But EU Home Affairs Commissioner Yiva uh, Johansson, who is on the commission president, she's Swedish as well, because whenever we want to do something evil in the European Union, we put a Swedish face on it because everyone thinks Sweden is great. Um, she's supposedly the person that our boy Febreze answers to. Um, we'll see how that doesn't really work out. She, after getting these reports, attempted to force the management board of Frontex to have a, quote, extraordinary meeting. Uh, So instead of that extraordinary meeting, a working group was formed. After four months, they made a report that didn't have any definitive conclusions on the five pushback incidents that they acknowledge happened. Uh, Our boy Fabrice Legere only believes one of those things happened. One of the pushback incidents happened. So we're pointing out that all these investigative reports had, like, well into the realm of dozens uh, of documented reported pushback incidents. Well, it's like the 20, what was it? They prevented 20,000 crimes. Was that the, was that the number? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I, he he probably thinks even more happened. He's like, no, just uh, tell him one, you know, it's like, just like the more you split hairs over the numbers is just to like mystify like everything going on. You know, I mean, 20,000 to one is a good ratio. I don't know about, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, man, this this guy's just shooting three pointers over here. Um, But okay, since that report came out, uh, which I believe was in March, um, four of those five incidents have been cleared of any wrongdoing by the uh, EU High Court of Human Rights. So, but also we're pointing out that the reasons why they've been cleared of any wrongdoing have not been revealed. And so they're just like, yeah, only one happened. That was possibly a human rights violation. Um, these are like part- daily things that happen too. I don't think yeah. people understand yeah, yeah, yeah. how normal pushbacks are. There's so much just, fucking footage out there of just like yep. uh, coast guards and Frontex just like harassing people. Yeah, uh, doing and pushback. Like that's the thing is that then it's like very much a case of what is and what isn't a pushback. Is firing tear gas at people so they don't cross the border a pushback? Mm. Uh, I'm pretty sure the European Court of Human Rights would probably say no it isn't mm-hmm. you know it probably puts it under another category it's perfectly boys being legal boys. yeah perfectly legal to administer tear gas in Europe as we've seen with how policing works in this country a thing that then literally was designed as a weapon in World War One. Um, mm. perfectly normal to you know shoot it at children shoot it at migrants shoot it at protesters you know um there were videos, I think people remember too, of, of Chilean police um, knowingly shooting people in the head with tear gas that um, kills you. You know, it gets lodged yeah. in your brain and it kills you. Um, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm in no way surprised. Obviously, that then the European, no. you know, whatever Council for Human Rights is like, oh yeah, we'll acknowledge one. When yeah, I mean, like we've seen this week alone three or four examples on one little teeny tiny like spot of land of Mm. these type of pushbacks happening, you know? And it just just depends in the sense of like, you know, at what circumstance does it then become a pushback, you know, like, Mm. Yeah, yeah, and it's sure. not like that definition can't be stretched yeah, in, of in, in the long term, right? Like, oh, well, um, no, that's legal. So, <laughs> you know, you can always kind of <laughs> just like, I don't know, pull it just a little bit out of reach for whatever, you know, 
mm. well-meaning organization is trying to like pin down or you know get them to you know yeah yeah after this report was made by the uh, um the working group the eu parliament then set up a scrutiny group uh to file a report and issue recommendations these recommendations are not binding and there is no infer- further investigation. It is literally a report on a report. Um, These motherfuckers love that shit. This is the thing <laughs> is that then Europe as a whole is just for like, it's like every West Wing nerd like times a thousand. It's like yep. West Wing words nerds that like somehow fuck less than West Wing nerds. It, it, it's, it's, it is Washington. It is Washington nerds but with the inferiority complex that they are not Washington. Yeah. <laughs> they're all they're all inbred in European somehow. <laughs> but like nothing yeah, says so this, fun this, like watching the West Wing with a little bit of water on your brain that's genetically inherited. <laughs> the uh as a part of the window dressing our boy Febreze got very excited publicly about this not binding, not investigative report that was going to be released because that way he can say, oh, I'm for the transparent aspect of this whole thing. Yeah, investigate. It will be fine. You won't find anything because we're a good agency, blah, blah, blah. Knowing full well that this invest, not even investigation, this future report is going to be completely toothless. So... That's fun. And this is this is just the pushbacks. Like going back to what Nick was saying, like a little bit, we're we're not even going to go into because there's no time and it will be too bump like it will bum us out too much of just like both Frontex and the Greek Coast Guard just like purposely misaging minors as full adults to send them back. Like just denying certain people's like age when they come up to come up to them and say, I'm twelve years old, they're like, nah, you're you're thirty, go back. Um shit. Yeah, like that's that. the thing too, then is that then um with at least in the sense of uh, the you know stuff in Morocco and Spain, this last couple of days is that then like um, Frontex like demand like maybe not Frontex but like when you, when some people like cross the border the thing that's the craziest fucking thing is that then like they have to like show passports, <laughs> which is yeah. typically documents that then people who are migrating uh, uh, under uh, uh, you know thing uh, uh, in in manners that then the european union may or may not find legal um mm. these are typically documents that people do not have or that are also uh issued from countries that are not legally recognized by the european union for example if you come from palestine um yep. or you come from let's say uh a region like you know kurdistan or something like that where you are not typically or, then issued a passport because of you know reasons or, um, yeah, you, you're fleeing because your documents have been seized or destroyed yeah. in some way. Like, you could be, like, a fully naturalized Syrian citizen, but you might have, like, absolutely no proof of it. Yeah, exactly. So there is, like, always this, like, insane thing where you see then people, like, right when they cross over the border, having to then scramble for any type of documentation that then proves that they're old enough, or I guess in this case, young enough to legally stay in Europe. You know, which is just yeah. like, I mean, it's it's kind of the thing that we've 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 had like on this show repeatedly is that like the policies of the far right do in fact actually govern Europe currently in their the state that they exist in, and I think that we've seen this with the last two episodes just simply being the case. I mean, we had last week we talked about uh, you know Israel Palestine and how. Yeah. 
the talking points of the extreme right in Germany concerning, you know, anti-Semitism and um, racism and whatnot, that then like the discussion now in Germany is just like, I want to hate Arabs and I want to hate Muslims and this is an excuse now. And it's so fucking clear, you know, like these were talking points of the AFD and the NPD five to seven years ago. And now the sense of with the, you know, migrant situation here, I don't see any differentiation between what, you know, organizations like Frontex do and the way that then that they cooperate with these very problematic organizations or legal problematic mm. organizations that then differentiates in any way with then like, remember, like there was a really big deal that then like Hungary was like closing their borders during the Balkan route and whatnot. I don't see any difference. Sorry. Like yeah. you can't convince me that there's a difference. And if you can, then you're a fucking psychopath, you know, you're too EU brained and you know, you should probably correct that. That kind of leads or us you're to Ulrika think, Franke, which you're just evil. Like <laughs> that I think leads us very nicely because we're about an hour here now uh, to the, the last question. I want to ask everyone which is, what is the purpose of Frontex? Because after all of this, after all these little pieces of information, after like discovering things like Frontex only releases their internal documents for 15 days and then takes them down on the grounds of copyright, um, like this is where all the insane numbers of like we've stopped a million crimes and have only done one ourselves comes from. Like the the that kind of shit just like, yeah other weird stuff like every ngo seems to fucking hate them like i'm not going to be someone who sings the praises of ngos but like every ngo seems to fucking hate them i don't understand how this like exists when like i don't know a million maybe misguided but well-intentioned like recent college graduates are just yelling at you constantly about like stop doing the crimes um we only done one uh, yeah, sure. It course. also um, creates like 700, I assume, decently paying bureaucratic jobs in Warsaw. So who's to say if it's bad or not? Uh, yeah, right. Um, the Guardian report that, that the Guardian also did with Rayuna had that uh, the numbers that they have is that Frontex has illegally stopped 40,000 refugees um, and has killed 2,000. All NGOs have basically stated that it's probably... Those numbers are very conservative, and it's probably a lot higher on both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you ask them the sense of who, like, why does Frontex exist? Who is Frontex yeah. for? And I'm going to double down on my, um, I guess it's a thesis because I want to prove this, you know. This mm. is, uh, or my, my, sorry, my, my hypothesis, if you will, yeah. is that I legitimately think that Frontex exists in the way that it does because the right have found an organization and the right as in which is the majority of countries that then are governed in Europe. Like we have had a massive conservative push in the last decade. Um, mm. The right has found an organization that then can do their job for them that they don't have to then do based on their own funding, but then that they are kind of funding themselves that then that they them to that they themselves also have discretion over because of the structure of how it exists. So you have yeah. a transnational organization that doesn't function as a transnational organization, and because it can't function as a transnational organization, there is no responsibility that then boils over to you if something then illegal happens. It goes into a court that legally cannot enforce anything because Europe, nothing happens. The only thing that they will like yeah. maybe clamp down on is like 
tax evasion, I think. Mm. And even that's questionable because there is like Europe has a very massive problem in its construction, as we've seen time and time again, even as the period of just doing the show of the last, what, two and a half years now, is mm. that it is ideologues who run it with no means of actually getting anything done. But the only one that then seems to like, only things that seem to like actually function are things that preserve capitalism and things that then preserve white nationalist ideas of border policing. Like, yeah, no, I, I'd be with you on that because like I, I get my the conclusion I came to is that Frontex is largely, is this another wing of this large project of, obfuscating the horrors of border control. I feel like it's basically the same thing as like the deal EU did with Turkey, the deal the EU is doing with Libya of just like, we found another way to kind of confuse who's at the helm of this. Uh, A part of that guardian report that I found very interesting and also very disturbing is like what the Croatian uh, border guard does uh, something I didn't know or didn't think of, but I guess I could have figured out over time is that Croatia has the largest border, e- like non-EU border, because they've got that big curve, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've, the reports of basically from like, I think Danish NGOs have found that the border control in Croatia have been, uh, have allegedly uh, whipped, robbed, sexually abused, stripped naked, like migrants coming into the country. Um, some migrants were spray had uh, red crosses spray painted onto their foreheads being told by the officers that was the cure for coronavirus Um, like this kind of insane shit happens but the thing is that will continue like whatever the Greek border guard has been doing will continue it's just it'll be people in Frontex uniforms now and when they do something horrendous the Greek pop, like the Greek government, doesn't have to democratically answer for those people from the Greek populace. Mm-hmm. Like the Frontex could piss off everyone in Lesbos, it could piss off everyone in Crete or whatever, any of the other islands. I'm sure I could name all of them. Don't ask me to do it. But like the Greek government will always just go, "That's the that's the EU. You can you can vote for that in what? When's the next one? 2022 or something? 2024?" Uh, that that's that's when you do it and like completely mystify this whole connection of how they actually control Frontex on a national level. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, also, too, uh, on another very quick, stupid <laughs> note that then's related to this is that yeah. um, uh, German uh, uh, car and weapons manufacturers have been making a lot of deals with Frontex. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's for that's the the million and one lobbyists yeah. that fucking Febreze met with probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just really funny because there was a lot of. Um, oh, also the there's that thing too that's very funny. I don't know if you saw there was this thing of like Ulrike Franka. Sorry, I got to bring her up again. She's like, wow, German. Why are you obsessed with me? <laughs> <laughs> she um she had a thing of like, wow, it's so great how the um. The Bundespolizei, so like the German National Guard, is active in countries outside of Europe. They are active in working <laughs> alongside Frontex. That is it. Yeah. So um, <sighs> there is also very much a sense, too, of I think how like the European core, too, has like a sense to do with this as well. Um, with 
this whole structure of of who can come into the country, who can't, who is then like, I mean, like, is it really like that Frontex is on the border because German, or because Europe doesn't want, or because, yeah, Europe wants Greece to have more protection? Or is that that then that they don't want those migrants to potentially end up in Germany or, mm. you know, or are the other, you know, goals that then that, you know, people who come into Europe, like majority of migrants don't want to stay in Greece. That's just notoriously so. There's horror stories amongst, you know, uh, uh, amongst people who come into Europe this way of that then like pretty much the Balkans are atrocious and they all like, they're yeah. you know, you'd see those those stereotypical stories that, that they would want to get to a European country that has a more stable economy to say the least. Um, better, better, think, uh, better PR even. Yeah, yeah. And I think that then legitimately that that's also part of the case too, is that the reason that Frontex gets so money and the reason that they, like the countries like Greece and the Balkans get so much assistance is to then keep these people out of the, you know, European core, like the European economic core, because mm. that's a thing too. That's, you know, something that then a lot of people don't want to realize as well is that then that there is like this internal peripheral sort of core structure within Europe based entirely on, you know, material conditions. Hmm. Just to the point where you said like the right, um, I don't know if secretly is the right word, but like when it comes secretly. down to brass tax, like runs politics or defines the political agenda in yeah. Europe. Um, hmm. I think it's, like just hearing the examples out of Croatia, I can imagine, uh, you know, a liberal saying like, oh, well, we can do this in a more humane way or in a better way. But yeah, the yeah. real political balance is like you can say that and then, you know, the Frontex or whatever the the uh, the constellation of organizations and uh, everything that actually places a border will say like, well, take it or leave it. You know, like you're, you're in no position to make any demands. Um, I'm reminded of, and I know we're uh, making a lot of references to Israel. I mean, it's in the news a lot. Um, yeah. I hope everyone uh, knows that this is because it's a, uh, an example of a global uh, process of uh, policing borders. Yeah. Um, particularly evocative one, but all the videos of, um, from like the PR team saying like, Oh, imagine if this was London or Paris, it's saying like, <laughs> I mean, but like th that gets at a very like, dark uh, truth of a lot of uh, Europeans, of a lot of liberals saying, you know, um, what would you do? It's sort of like you need us. Like that's what the right's saying. And so long as that, that is yeah. the power dynamic, that that is a claim that works on whatever percentage number, a block of, I don't know, influential people, of liberals, of, I don't know, whatever, then they're going to have the upper hand, right? Then, then that is like how the chips fall. That is the power relationship. Yeah. I definitely yeah. agree in that sense, especially in, in the, I mean, there is always this kind of sense too, that like liberals definitely like default to fascism much quicker than they imagine as well. That in, in their good intentions, they default to fascism in a much scarier way than actual fascists do, you know? Well, it's almost the um, it's that kind of almost old tweet of um, the the Republicans. You could we can slip, swip, ah. we can swap out like Republicans for right and uh, uh, Democrats for liberals. But it's like the right makes sure is, makes sure bad things happen. The liberals make sure good things don't happen. Uh, yeah, where like 
it's it's going to be people like Kurtz who will actively push for this. Sanchez isn't going to actively push for this, but he's not going to undo it. He's not going to like. He literally he like done- like said in front of like like uh, uh, the other day that then's like yep like eight thousand people came in and we sent forty eight forty eight hundred back. Yeah. It's like that's not like that's a horrible statistic. That yeah, is yeah, like I mean it's it's. He's, he's not going to roll back the power of these people, uh, but he's and he's also very happy to use what I'm sure was expanded under Rajoy, mm-hmm. like when the right wing was last in charge. Yeah, so it's it's you're either moving to the right or staying still. That's like the kind of two options in Europe, basically. And uh, that's a that's a fun thing to think about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I do think there's an opening or I think it clarifies what um, the left, I mean, a left vision is, which is, you know, not humanely policing the border. It's it's a it's a vision where these aren't the political stakes. It's not the whatever the the constant uh, threat being like, well, I'm the one who uh, is doing this dirty work to uh, defend this thing. Europe, you know, you actually have to like whatever it is like scramble the the political order to a degree where that that, like that's not the political calculus you know it really is a pretty big um i mean it's a big task but it's also like i don't know it can change quickly oh for sure yeah and it's kind of worth pointing out that i i think people in the left wing of europe have very quickly copped to frontex being evil um I I just kind of compare. There was a lot of like borrowing from like the abolish ICE campaign from the United States when people started talking about Frontex online. I always felt like it was a little too copycat and didn't really have real legs. But at the same time, the left in Europe have turned on Frontex a lot quicker than the left in the United States turned on ICE hmm. or became aware of ICE being like this massive problem. So that gives me a little hope, or maybe we're just getting accelerating at these problems. I don't know. <laughs> we, are, we are an accelerationist podcast. I mean, yes, exactly. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, we we advocate for a literal fortress Europe. Fill the Mediterranean with concrete so everyone can walk over. I'm sure there will be no <laughs> environmental <laughs> consequences. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, yeah, expand the Sahara into Italy. Yeah, that's what that's probably what will happen if we do that. All right, so that's a, that's an episode. It's a two bummer episodes in a row. If you want non bummer episodes, subscribe to the Patreon. That's where we've been doing the fun yep. stuff, actually. Yeah, that's this is the thing now is that we're just going to give you nothing but just horribly depressing content on the main feed, and then if you want just like the most joyful experience. Just good yeah. vibes. You got to subscribe. You got to pay five bucks a month or 450 euros or four pounds. I don't know what the, the, the breakdown is. Yeah, we have, we have a system in place. But yeah, like you, we've, only, we've only scratched the surface of one defunct European monarchy. Yeah. There's probably more. I want to be go. paid in Republic credits. That is, that <laughs> is the... Uh, you can also watch the Eurovibe streams. Not going to... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought you were about yeah, yeah. to say Eurovision. I'm like Rob's speaking from the future <laughs> or the past. Yeah, you yeah, you can watch the video on demand of the Eurovision <laughs> that will still be up. Yeah, true. Uh, but yeah, check out the Eurovibes. That's usually more fun as well. 
and we should we should do a fun episode. I don't know. I've got I've got an article here about Italian influencers being in Italian politics. I feel mm-hmm. like that's that's, that's next week. Unhinged. That's next week, baby. Yeah, that's next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Next week bonus. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> they don't deserve this. They don't deserve to be happy. Yeah, All next right. week's episode is going to just be about a a poor Georgian farm boy who hasn't like who's who's been deported to Chechnya for some weird reason that makes no sense. <laughs> we threw him across the mountains. Yeah. And now he's in Chechnya. Yeah. For $5 a month you can you can feed him. You can for $5 a month you can sponsor this uh once famous albino rapper who's now trying to make his way in, in Chechnya. Trying to make his way at Chechnyan UFC. Um, <laughs> all right. All right. See you on Friday. Ciao, ciao. Bye-bye. Peace.